When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome. Welcome. Do cats sometimes pay some attention to their owners? It's the Improbable Research Podcast. I'm Mark Abrams, editor of the magazine Annals of Improbable Research, with a special pocket-sized episode about research that makes people laugh, then think. If you like what you hear today, consider supporting us at our website, improbable.com. Here's psychologist Jean Burko Gleason. Jean's cat, Foster, is sitting with us on the table, and Foster may or may not take part in the proceedings. If you own a cat or think you own a cat, you may have wondered whether the cat pays attention to you. Several researchers, too, have wondered that kind of question. They did an experiment with cats and cat owners. They tell about it in a study. It's called Social Referencing and Cat-Human Communication by Imarola, M. Lazzaroni, S. Marshall Piscini, and E. Prato Previde, published in the year 2015 in the journal Animal Cognition. The authors are based at the Università degli Studi di Milano in Italy, the University of Lincoln in the UK, and at the Medical University of Vienna and the University of Vienna in Austria. Jean, I noticed that when you read the Italian names, you read them with an Italian accent. And when you read the name of the British university, you did not read it with a British accent. I'm an inconsistent person, but that's one of my advantages. And Foster is stepping all over you as you're speaking. Foster is destroying everything as we speak. I'm going to move this. The cat is moving the equipment. Marola, Lazzaroni, Marshall Passini, and Preto Previde tell us what they did. Cats, Felis catus, communicative behavior towards humans, was explored using a social referencing paradigm in the presence of a potentially frightening object. One group of cats observed their owner delivering a positive emotional message, whereas another group received a negative emotional message. Jean, it mentions a social referencing paradigm. What is that in words that anybody... Usually it means that in the presence of some situation, the creature that's being observed, in this case a cat, looks to its owner or a child looks to its mother. In order to interpret a situation, a young child actually glances at its parent to see what the parent's attitude is. Could you put that into three or four common words? Yeah, social referencing is looking to others. Marola, Lazzaroni, Marshall Passini, and Preto Previde tell us why they chose to do what they did. The aim was to evaluate whether cats use the emotional information provided by their owners about a novel, unfamiliar object to guide their own behavior towards it. That's what I just told you. Where did they do this? The cats were individually tested in an unfamiliar room at the University of Milan in a laboratory. The testing room was an empty space with a black screen at one end. The screen hit a video camera. It had previously been used by testing dogs, but was thoroughly cleaned before starting experiments with cats. 
The experiment began always in a particular way. As soon as the door was closed, the owner walked to a particular spot holding the cat in his or her arms and then put the cat on the floor. Prior to starting the test, the cat was allowed to move around and explore the room for one minute in the presence of the silent and relaxed owner. Well, I have a question for you, Jean. How do you relax an owner? <laughs> well, they, they have to come relaxed. How do you make that happen? How do you... <laughs> you feed them some wonderful Italian aperitif. Is that what it says in the study? <laughs> no, but it would be a great idea, wouldn't it? At this point, things got real in this artificial activity. The test lasted 125 seconds and was divided into four phases. During the first three phases, a fan placed at the far end of the room was in motion. During phase four, it was switched off. Each test phase was characterized by the owner behaving in a different way. Phase one. The fan was then activated via remote control. Immediately after the experimenter left the room, the owner released the cat and stood facing the fan while the cat was free to move around the room. The owner remained silent, looking at the fan with a neutral facial expression for 25 seconds. What is a neutral facial expression? Just the way you look when you're relaxed and not happy or sad. Neutral means no evident emotion. Can that be proven in a courtroom? I doubt it. I think people, people generally agree on facial expressions. So. Phase two. The owner stood in one spot and talked throughout the whole phase using either a happy positive group or fearful, negative group, voice, and facial expression, and gaze, alternating between the cat and the fan continuously for 25 seconds. Phase three. In some cases, the owner approached the fan, crouched down facing the fan, and started to touch it while still talking in a happy voice and expressing a positive emotion, and gaze alternate between the cat and the fan continuously. In other cases, the owner moved away from the fan, crouching down whilst talking with a fearful voice, expressing a negative emotion, and gaze alternating between the cat and the fan. Have you ever approached a fan, crouched down facing that fan, and started touching it while still talking in a happy voice and expressing a positive emotion, Jean? I hope that the uh, people doing this were young enough that they could get down on the floor and back up again. Phase four. The experimenter turned the fan off from an adjacent room using remote control. In some cases, while still crouching, talking in a positive manner and gaze alternating between the cat and the fan continuously, the owner touched the fan and the ribbons for the entire phase. In other cases, the owner stayed crouched down while continuing to talk with a negative tone of voice for the entire phase and gaze alternating between the cat and the fan continuously. Has anybody ever done this kind of experiment with human beings? Oh, I think uh, not with crouching down, but, but Why def not? definitely people have done this similar. You, know, you wouldn't have social referencing as a term in the literature if people hadn't already done this kind of thing. What I said before, looking studies in which the young kids look to their mothers to get an idea of whether they should be happy or sad about something. Marola, Lazzaroni, Marshall Pessini, and Preto Previde gave the owners what you might call a speaking part in the proceedings. In phases two, three, and four, all the owners were instructed to continue talking 
throughout the entire phase and to communicate with their cats as they would normally, using typical phrases such as, that's nice, or that's scary, accompanied by either a smiling face or a scared, worried expression. They were also explicitly told not to use the cat's name and potential directions, like look, come, touch, etc. Marola, Lazzaroni, Marshall Passini, and Preto Previde implored the owners to use good acting skills. Finally, they were instructed to show through facial and vocal expressions the feeling either that the cat could safely and happily approach the object or that the object was to be avoided. That's what the owners did during the experiment. Marola, Lazzaroni, Marshall Passini, and Preto Previde then had each owner do something special immediately after the experiment. After the test ended, the researcher entered the room with a handful of treats and asked the owner to sit next to the fan, giving the cat treats when it came into proximity of the fan. If the cat was not eating the treat, the owner and the experimenter sat next to the fan until the cat started to explore the room in a relaxed manner. Marola, Lazzaroni, Marshall Passini, and Preto Previde had the cat owners do that for a particular reason. All cats received this treatment so that they would not become sensitive to fans. What would happen if a cat were to become sensitive to fans? Well, it would be an unethical experiment. It's, it's like some old experiments that were done by John Watson with a little kids that they made afraid of fuzzy things. You know, you can't do that these days. In other words, one of the rules of an ethical experiment is that you will undo all the bad effects that might have come about because of your experiment. That's ethical. Is it bad to have a cat that's sensitive to a fan? You should not bring a cat into the lab and alter its personality or behavior in a negative way. People did not sign up or agree to have their cats trained to be afraid of fans. So you can't do that. You don't do things to people's fans. You know, the people might get home and have a you fan in their house. You don't do things to people's cats, you mean? You you should not do things to people's you should not do things to to anybody who is a participant in a study. That you there are ethical principles. And you can think of practical ramifications. If if for instance you train these cats to be terrified of fans, and people got home, and it's hot in the summertime in Italy, and they have a fan, and their cat is bouncing off the wall now. That's not good, right? Be nice to your cats. Asking cats to do an experiment turns out to be an iffy business. Of the 36 cats tested, nine, six males and three females, were excluded from the analyses. One subject, male, because of procedural errors committed by the owner during testing, and eight, five males and three females, because they succeeded in jumping or hiding behind the screen during the test. So only three quarters of the cats got counted in the final accounting. Here's what those cats had done, say, Marola, Lazzaroni, Marshall Passini, and Preto Previde. Three all males approached and touched the fan during phase one, exhibiting a confident and positive attitude towards the stimulus. These cats were excluded from some of our accounting since a precondition for the test was that the cats had an ambiguous or mildly fearful behavior toward the stimulus object. So three quarters minus another three of the cats got counted in all of the final tallying. Here's what those cats did. 79% of cats looked referentially towards their owner and the fan, and 54% showed gaze alternation, three consecutive looking behaviors 
when the owner was still and silent in the room. Cats, whose owners admit unhappy kinds of sounds and expressions, showed a tendency to start moving earlier than cats, whose owners made happy sounds and gestures in phase two, potentially showing that they started looking for an escape route sooner than cats in the group where the owner was expressing a positive emotion. Marola, Lazzaroni, Marshall Passini, and Preto Previde tell us what this might tell us. Cats in the negative group potentially were looking for security from their owner. But. But Marola, Lazzaroni, Marshall Passini, and Preto Previde caution us. One cannot with certainty say what this means. Though some of the cats looked askance at their owners, those cats did not generally do anything other than glance. Taken together, results suggest that cats discriminated between the owner's reactions to the fan, but they did not adjust their distance from the fan in accordance with their owner's emotional expression or behavior. Marola, Lazzaroni, Marshall Passini, and Preto Previde ultimately suggest in almost clear words that cats sometimes behave a little differently than dogs. The lack of synchrony between the cat's behavior and that of their owners contrasts with results found with dogs. Jean, speaking as someone who owns a cat or perhaps is owned by a cat, is there anything surprising in what these people discovered? Not really, because dogs are known to be much more interpersonal than cats. My own personal experience with Foster is that he spends a lot of time looking at me. But I'm not sure that he's looking at me for clues as to whether he should be happy or sad, afraid or not afraid. He just spends a lot of time looking at me. It's like that old James Thurber thing. Have you conducted experiments with your cat? Not recently, no. Do you get the feeling your cat sometimes conducts experiments with you? Well, I sometimes think he's testing my patience, let's put it that way. Let me ask you about what's known in the neighborhood as the bunny experiments. The bunny experiments are experiments in which Foster brings bunnies into the house and counts to see how many before I begin to scream and cry. When you say brings bunnies into the house, do you mean dolls in the shape of bunnies? Well, I mean he tends to bring little bunnies in and eat their heads off. Little living bunnies. Well, not once their heads have been eaten off. That's They tend not to stay alive. Tend. Right. How often does Foster deliver these gifts to you? Well, he it depends on if I'm able to block him from coming in. But this season, he's quite generous, shall we say. Well, Mind suggesting a couple of typical numbers? A couple of typical numbers was that this morning I uh, had to dispose of three sad little bunny bodies that were in the garden. Complete? No. Two head, no heads. One head ahead. Where are the missing parts? The missing parts are inside Foster. Cats like to eat rabbits' heads. I don't think you want to know about this. I think I do. That's why I'm asking you. Well, somebody tells me that bunny brains are sweet. How driven are you to find... I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to test. I'm not testing. I'm not testing. But that is, that is a, a hypothesis that someone has proposed. You're sure he eats the brains? Well, he eats the whole head. I mean, people who have cats are surprised to find that the cat eats everything, you know. Well, not everything from what you're saying. Well, some cats eat all of, you know, they'll, they'll eat all of a mouse, for instance, and leave only its tail and its some 
some bitter part of it. How about Foster? Foster doesn't eat mice. Does he bring you mice? When he finds them, yes. Does he bring you complete mice? Yes. I've never seen him eat the head off a mouse. It's funny he eats the heads off. I don't know how they know originally that the head will be good. Isn't that an interesting thought? What is your hope for the future about Foster and bunnies? My hope for the future is that he gets old and tired or that I find some way of preventing him from coming in. There's no, there's no anti, there's no bell like, he's wearing a bell already, so that's not going to help. You know, so there's, you know, there's no answer to it. How big are these bunnies that he brings They're little. This is a sad story. They're little bunnies, you know. They're all sizes. I mean, our friend, remember, came over and had to take one out of the bathtub one time here, and it was a big bunny. Is our friend still your friend? Yes. Should I name her name? Sure. It's Corky, Corky White. She came and helped me. Professor Corky White. Professor Corky White. Who's interested in food. That's right, but she didn't show any interest in cooking this particular bunny, but she did help me get it out of the bathtub. I can't remember if it had a head or not, but she was very nice about it. And it was a big bunny. I don't, I don't, it was almost as big as the cat. I don't know how he did that. How did he get it into the house? He brings it through the cat door. He's got his own cat door. And I put all kinds of obstacles to the cat door, but nothing slows him down. This is a cat, remember, who knows how to do things like open sliding doors. So he get, he figures out how to do everything like that. Every time I make a, another obstacle, it just makes him smarter because he does figure them all out. The other night, I thought I had locked him in the room with me upstairs. I thought, this will do it because they go hunting, you know, at dawn. So I, I closed the door and I thought, this is it. And, and after a little while, he got up and he walked over and he opened the door and left. It hadn't clicked. You know, I hadn't checked that it had actually clicked. It was closed. It was flush closed. And I don't know how he did it, but he just opened it and left. I think I'm out of questions. You've been listening, if you've been listening, to a special pocket-sized episode of the Improbable Research podcast. I invite, advise, and implore you to subscribe to the magazine, The Annals of Improbable Research, six new issues a year. Get yourself some back issues, too. Also, get lots of details about the Ig Nobel Prizes and the ceremonies and how we're coping with the copious constraints of the COVID-19 pandemic, and about how you can help via our Patreon. All this at our website, improbable.com. It's possible that Seth Glicksman is the improbable production assistant. Next time on this podcast, we'll look at something or other. Until then. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.